Good morning. It was so great to look up and see Gary standing in front of the Bay Area family this morning, to hear his voice coming through the speakers. Kind of took me back in time. Uh, but what was especially great was to see his spirit. Uh, we're blessed to be part of a, a wonderful family here. Uh, I'm glad that we're worshiping together this morning here at Bay Area. So a guy gets a text from his boss. And the text read, send me one of your funny jokes. And the guy texts his boss back, I'm working right now, I'll do it later. The boss texted right back, that's hilarious, send me another one. <laughs> you know, there's something admirable and a little bit frightening about people who aren't afraid to tell it like it is, right? We have spent two months going through the back half of Ephesians chapter 6, talking about that armor of God passage where Paul talks about the fact that we're in a battle. And we're in a battle between good and evil. And we're in a battle with an enemy who wants nothing other than to steal and kill and destroy. Paul tells it like it is. He doesn't pull any punches. He warns us, he encourages us, he challenges us. And you might have thought that we were wrapping up this series last week when we talked about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, because that's the last thing that Paul mentions that we use that a Roman soldier might also use. But Paul wasn't finished with this whole thought of the armor of God. Every week for the past two months that I've preached, we have read through that entire passage. And every week, I've left the last part out. And that's the part that I want to talk about this morning. And I would argue that Paul probably saved the most important advice till last. And when you read it in context, it's not, it's not hard to imagine, you know, this doesn't fit. Where's this coming from? You know, Paul's talking about soldiers, he's talking about armor of God, and then it seems like he completely changes the subject. It's like the robber who burst into a bank with a gun and he told the teller, give me all your money. One false move in your geography. She said, don't you mean History. He said, don't change the subject on me. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. But it seems like Paul is changing the subject on us. But Paul is not changing the subject at all. What he is doing is finalizing the subject. He's going to tell us some of the most important information. He's going to give us some of the most powerful resources that we can possibly have as we fight this battle that we're all in. So, once again, here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace." 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We've read that passage every single week. I hope it is very, very familiar to you by now. Paul reminds us that we are in a battle and there are dark, evil forces aligned against us. Paul tells us we need to be armed. We need to be alert so that we can take a stand. But before he leaves the subject, he wants to be sure that we understand that before we can stand, we're going to have to kneel. It's not enough just to put on the armor. There's something else that we all have to do if we have any hopes of being successful in this battle. So here's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. Verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul says it's not enough just to put on the armor. Spiritual warfare requires us learning to fight on our knees. It was Corey Tenboom who asked the question Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? And it's a pretty good analogy when you think about it. I mean, you can drive for a long, long time and never even think about your spare tire, right? Intellectually, you know it's back there in the trunk just in case you need it. But you can't get out of your driveway without your steering wheel. So is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Is it something that you know intellectually, if you ever need it, it's there? Or is it the thing that actually gets you through every single day? Paul makes it clear. If your attitude towards prayer is, well, I'll use it when I need it. It's there for an emergency. If that's your attitude, there's a couple things that you really don't understand. First, you don't understand the power of prayer. And second, you don't understand the power of the enemy. Paul promises us we're going to face days that are full of evil. And this evil is directly linked to a powerful invisible force of darkness that is aligned against each one of us. Prayer is the recognition of another realm. A realm that's actually more real than what we see and know. So, so prayer isn't just something we do. It's not just some discipline that we teach our kids. It's not just some technique that we've got to you know, check that box. It's a relationship. It's an invitation by God for you and I to enter that realm. When we pray, we enter that realm where God and Satan both exist. And Paul wants you to know it is impossible for you to win this battle by just trying to grit your teeth and you know, try harder. Because it's a spiritual battle. And you're going to need spiritual help. The victory comes only in Christ alone. 
I got to tell you, my prayer life is very, very important to me. But I've got a feeling that when I get to heaven, I'm going to realize I should have prayed more. When I really start to fully understand what happens in heaven when I pray, when I get a glimpse of the power that's been available to me when I pray, I feel pretty confident I'm going to feel, I should have prayed more. I should have prayed differently. I got a lot of growing to do when it comes to prayer. But I do understand this. It is imperative that we stay in constant communication with our commander-in-chief. And Paul knows that prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer is the frontline component of the battle. Prayer is not something we do to get ready. Prayer is something to do when we're in the middle, when we're in the battle. So Paul tells us to pray always, because we're always subject to an attack by the enemy. That's why prayer is in this passage that we call the armor of God. But I've got some good news for you. Remember last week I said that Satan had no defense for the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Satan also has absolutely no anti-prayer defense in his arsenal. And once you pray, and that prayer lands at the throne of God, there's absolutely nothing that Satan can do to prevent God from acting on your prayer as God sees fit. This morning, I want to stay right in Ephesians 6, right in this passage, and see if we can't be reminded of a couple things about prayer that will enable us not only to be more effective Christian soldiers, but also to be more effective Christian witnesses as we tell other people about the good news of Jesus. So Paul's first admonition to us regarding our prayer life is that we need to focus on God's people. Paul instructs us to focus on each other when we pray. I need to regularly be praying for you. I really covet your prayers for me. And we need to be relentless about that. But you know, if we're really honest with ourselves, most of our prayers are pretty self-serving. Now, most of my prayers, if I'm really honest with myself, they're, they're pretty me-focused. Dear Lord, it's Timmy, let me tell you what to give me. That's usually sort of the basis of my prayers. But I like how the, the TEV translates the end of verse 18. Pray always for all God's people. Do you know that the majority of prayers in the New Testament are for thanksgiving and or intercession? You can check me on that, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. The majority of prayers that you see in the New Testament are people thanking God or praying on behalf of someone else. When we pray on behalf of someone else, when we pray for each other, something kind of amazing happens. Remember, I can't put the armor on you. And you can't put the armor on me. But I can pray for you. And you can pray for me. And when we pray for one another, something happens. You've heard me say before, when, when I go to work, I go to work. When I pray, God goes to work. When you pray, get this, heaven is interrupted. 
Because God stops to pay attention to what you have to say. You don't ever have to fear that you're going to be ignored when you pray. If what you have to say really doesn't impress anybody else, it impresses God. And He pauses and He listens carefully, intently, lovingly. Your prayers don't stop until they reach the throne of God. When you pray, God goes to work. It's a mystery. And it's a mystery that I know I can't explain to you. And I'm not sure that I would ever be able to explain it to you. I'm not sure anyone could ever really, this side of heaven, fully understand exactly how prayer works and the power behind prayer. But I do understand this. God acts in heaven when somebody prays on earth. God acts in heaven when you pray here on earth. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes lives. It changed Paul's life. Look what he has to say to the Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 18. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Notice Paul says, I got two things going for me. I got the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and I got your prayers. He's going to say the same thing when he writes to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. And he did deliver us from mortal danger. And we are confident that, we will continue to, that he will continue to deliver us. He will rescue us because you are helping by praying for us. As a result, many will give thanks to God because so many people's prayers for our safety have been answered. Have you ever felt that you have been strengthened because someone was praying for you? Do you ever feel like you've been blessed because someone was praying for you? Yeah, we're all shaking our heads, right? It was Martin Luther who said, I feel as if I've been prayed for today. Anytime my prayer helps you defeat the enemy, I didn't just help you. I helped me as well. When prayer helps any of us win a spiritual battle... We're all victorious. Because Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that we are to pray for our brothers and sisters. We're in this battle together. And we're to be praying for each other. We need to focus on each other. And Paul also tells us when we pray, we need to focus on God. When we pray, we need to listen carefully. And that's not exactly the words he uses, but he does say this. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Pray in the Spirit, be alert. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? What does it mean to be alert? A lot of people have a lot of ideas about what exactly Paul is saying here, but in the context of a spiritual battle, I think at least part of what Paul's encouragement is we need to be listening for the Spirit's leading when we pray. We need to focus on God. We need to listen carefully where the Spirit of God might be leading us. The Good News Version puts it this way. Pray on every occasion as the Spirit leads. So when God puts someone on your heart, you need to hit your knees. 
When the Holy Spirit puts someone or something on your heart, you need to be praying about that. We're to strengthen each other relentlessly. We're to listen carefully to the Spirit's leading. And then one more thing that Paul instructs us, encourages us, uh, our prayers need to be such that we focus on the lost. We need to be prayerful about our witness to people who don't know Jesus. Notice what Paul, who's writing this from prison, by the way, notice what his request is of those who are praying for him. Ephesians chapter 6, 19. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Twice in that passage, Paul uses the word fearlessly as he talks about how he wants to tell people about Jesus. His prayer is really very simple. Pray that I can be fearless in my witness. That's his prayer. He doesn't pray for comfort. He doesn't ask that they pray for for his safety. He doesn't ask that they pray for his health. He doesn't even ask that they pray that he'd be released from prison. And all of those things would be legitimate requests. Absolutely. But what Paul wants most is prayers from his brothers and sisters that he can relentlessly tell other people the good news of Jesus Christ. Fearlessly. Even as a prisoner, he's still a warrior for the cause of Christ. You know, so many times our prayers are, are, are for deliverance. And again, that's completely legitimate. But I'm not sure that that needs to be the sole focus of, of what we pray. You know, deliverance for our health, for our families, for our circumstances, for our problems, for our struggles. When's the last time you prayed to God for boldness? When's the last time that you asked God to give you courage to fearlessly tell somebody about Jesus Christ, regardless of the circumstances? By the way, next week we're starting a new sermon series called Fearless, because that's what God has called us to be. Now you'll remember the the prayer of the church in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are arrested. They're brought before the same group of people who had Jesus arrested and killed. And that group of leaders tell them, you stop talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And the message was, if you don't stop talking about Jesus of Nazareth, the same thing that happened to Jesus of Nazareth, it's going to happen to you. And we have the power to make that happen. And the church is praying about this. What's the church praying? Lord, please take that threat away. Lord, please make it easier for us to be Christians. That's not what they were praying in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Here was their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They didn't pray for safety. They didn't pray for comfort. They prayed that God would enable them to speak the message with great boldness. They prayed that God would give them the courage to do the very same thing that just got them arrested. That God would give them the courage to talk about the very same person who was just put to death. And God must have liked that prayer. 
Because notice how he responds two verses later. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. He spoke the word of God boldly. What did they pray for? Make us bold. What did God do? He made them bold. See, you can't separate witnessing and prayer. You can't separate it. They go together. If you pray but never witness, it's kind of useless. If you witness and never pray, it's kind of powerless. And Paul understood that. Notice how he ends his second letter to the church in Thessalonica. Finally, dear brothers, as I come to the end of this letter, I ask you to pray for us. Pray first that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and triumph wherever it goes, winning converts everywhere as it did when it came to you. Paul says, I'm praying to God about my witness. I want you to pray to God about my witness. So, I'll ask you this morning. Have you been praying about the battle? Not, have the elders been praying? Have the deacons been praying? Has, has the church been praying? Have you been praying about the battle that we're all in? The responsibility falls on, on all of us. Be praying for each of us. There's a buzzword that uh, has gotten very popular in Christian circles for the last couple of decades, I guess, and that's prayer warrior. And I like the label, by the way. You know, he is such a prayer warrior. She is such a prayer warrior. But I don't always like the way that that label is used, or at least the inference that goes with it. Because sometimes we use that to, to kind of say, well, they're really the best at praying. You know, that's not me. That's not my gift. Their gift is prayer. They're just, they're just amazing. That's, that's their gift. It's not my gift. Listen, nowhere in the New Testament is prayer listed as a spiritual gift that's given to some and withheld from others. We all have the opportunity, we all have the responsibility, we all have the privilege of praying to God, of entering that spiritual realm and taking our requests before the throne. Prayer is a gift given to all of us. We all have to be prayer warriors because we're in a battle. The battle is fierce and the enemy is real. And he's dangerous. You're in a war with Satan. You better be on your knees in prayer. I quoted Corey Tinboom just a few minutes ago. She also made this famous statement. Prayer is powerful. The devil smiles when we make plans. He laughs when we get busy, but he trembles when we pray. Satan trembles when we pray. It's true. The church of Jesus fights on her knees. I want to close this sermon now, this, this series out, with uh, a song that if you listen to Christian radio, you'll be very familiar with. It's a Phil Whitman song. Um, and I thought the words were so appropriate to this series and this sermon. I found an a cappella version of it, and I want to show that to you because I, I want you to, to really focus on the words. They're really powerful. Here you go. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. 
When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you And if you are for me who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you and every fear I lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. I started this series by talking at length about Paul's instructions as he begins this passage. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We stand in the strength of the Lord. We stand in the power of, of God. Amen. I'll end this series with how Paul ends his instructions. Pray in the Spirit.
on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We stand in the strength of the Lord. But before we stand, we have to kneel. We're in a battle, spiritual battle, against dark, evil forces. We're called to stand. We're called to advance. We're called to fight. But as soldiers of Christ, we fight on our knees. So this morning, we're going to pray. We are going to pray. You are going to pray. I'm going to ask all of us, just right where you're sitting, we're going to bow our heads and just silently pray to God. And I'm going to ask you just to focus on your brothers and sisters. Focus on God. Focus on the lost. Let's pray together. And now, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Amen. And all of those prayers just landed at the feet of God, and there is absolutely nothing that Satan can do about it. We're going to sing a song of encouragement this morning. If there's anything as a church family that we can help you with, we're going to invite you to come in front and let us know. Let's go ahead and be standing while we sing.